Nyata, hello. It's Alison here from a church in southwest Victoria on Pequan country, a church called Sanctuary. Ten years ago, the scientist Glenn Albrecht coined a new word. He was studying the impact of open-cut coal mining on the people of the Upper Hunter region of New South Wales. Now, the mines are creating new and horrific scars in the landscape. And the power station was polluting water, air and soil, and there was persistent drought. As the earth groaned, Albrecht realised that the people who lived there were experiencing a form of chronic distress, for which English has no word. And so he came up with the term solastalgia. Solastalgia. It combines the longing of nostalgia, which is a longing for home, with the experience of desolation and the need for solace. It's a form of homesickness, but it's experienced by people who have never left home. Instead, they are seeing their home being negatively transformed around them. Solastalgia is a new word, but it's certainly not a new experience. It's known by every Aboriginal person on this continent whose land has been stolen, compacted, cleared and damaged before their eyes. And it's known by every Torres Strait Islander fighting for the future of their now frequently flooding home. It's known by people whose land has been destroyed by industry or mining or fracking or leaking oil pipelines. And it's known by those who are seeing suburban sprawl, eat up grasslands and wetlands and seasonally meandering creeks. It's known by those who grieve formerly soft grey hillsides, which have been invaded by ranks of lurid green imported pines. Solastalgia is a desolation we might feel at the vast blank paddocks of agribusiness, where trees have been entirely eradicated and once fertile soil is now little more than chemically boosted dust. And it's a sense of loss we feel at the bleaching of the Great Barrier Reef. Solastalgia. It's a feeling of desolation when our natural home changes around us, and so this feeling is only going to become more common. Because as the climate changes and we experience less stable weather patterns and more extreme weather events, solastalgia will begin to affect everyone. Just ask the people of Malacuda or Lismore or anywhere else which has experienced climate catastrophe from which there is no return. And ask those who grow things. Seasons are pushing too early, too late, sowing times are shifting. And even the crops themselves may need to change as the weather warms up and the rains don't come or come too hard and too often. But why am I talking about solastalgia? Well, first, because I keep having conversations with people who feel it. They are alert to climate change. They can see what's happening and they long for global healing. Yet new gas fields are being approved Mining continues unabated, suburbs keep expanding and fossil fuels are being burned at horrifying rates. As the world keeps changing around them, they are filled with hopelessness and dread. 
The second reason is because it's linked to tonight's reading. Jeremiah 29 is a letter addressed to a people living in exile under Babylon, and solastalgia is a form of exile. It's exile from the land, even if the land is still right there beneath one's feet. And it's exile which is caused by industrial activity and climate change. As such, solastalgia is a result of the economics of empire, in which all people and all things have been reduced to productive units. This is the economy which never sleeps. It's the economy of endless extraction and agricultural practices imported from half a world away. It's the economy which fells forests and digs mines and expands animal husbandry way beyond any sustainable limits. It's the economy of Babylon, which steals people and land and resources and uses them to generate more wealth for the rich. And it's our economy also. And so the letter in Jeremiah 29 is addressed to people like us. Those people in exile were no doubt desolate. They were longing for a home that they would never see again, and they had little hope for the future. But in this letter in Jeremiah, God encourages them, and God tells them to do two things. First, they are to get on with life, and I quote, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. In other words, make a home, create a life, eat from a backyard veggie patch, and don't be afraid to have kids. However grim things might feel, take delight in homemaking and children, because this is your home now, and you're going to be here a long, long time, the rest of your life. To a people living with solastalgia, that is living in the exile generated by industrial activity and climate change, this is provocative. I know people who feel so bleak about the future, they've decided not to have children. And I know people who are too despondent to recycle or make a little veggie patch, because it's all too little too late, and what's the point anyway? But this text suggests to me that however hard things get, we should still engage in the simple pleasures of home and garden, family and children, neighbourhood and community. And this brings me to the second task, which is this. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This commands a real stomach turner. God's people have been invaded and captured and dragged into exile by those vicious Babylonian dogs. No doubt they've seen their homes destroyed and the people they love assaulted and killed, and they themselves may have suffered extreme violence. But the prophet tells them to seek the welfare of the city where they're in exile and to pray on its behalf because their welfare is bound up in the city's welfare. 
So does a prophet or God really expect them to seek the benefit of the Babylonians? And if so, what on earth does this mean? Well, it's possible to hear this as an instruction to settle down and obey, to make nice and blend in, to build a big house and to assimilate and to do all the things the neighbours do. It's possible to hear this as an order to uncritically participate in building up the city's wealth and to wave the banner of economic growth. If the city gets richer, everyone benefits. At least that's the theory, and it's one way of interpreting Jeremiah. But let's take a step back. The word translated as welfare is shalom. And so the prophet is calling for right relationship between people, community, land, and God. And this is where it gets interesting, especially for those of us living with solastalgia. Because I suggest that business as usual does not actually lead to right relationship between people, community, land, and God. There may be a short upward tick in the wealth and welfare for some, but for the most part, economic growth flows upwards, even as it costs everyone healthy land and waterways. This was as true for Babylon then as it is for us now, for ancient records show that the economics of empire has always led to the crushing of the poor and to deforestation, land degradation and species loss. Business as usual, in fact, might be the teaching of false preachers who equate capitalism with godliness, economic prosperity with blessing, and the burning up of the earth with the return of Jesus. But to paraphrase Jeremiah, don't listen to them, don't let them deceive you, for it's a lie that they are preaching to you in my name. Indeed, business as usual comes with an enormous price tag injustice and ecological collapse. In other words, business as usual disrupts relationships between people and people and people and land. And such disruption is what we call sin. Further, it creates solastalgia and it threatens our children's future. How then do we seek the shalom, the peace, the welfare of the home where we live in exile, whether that home is southwest Victoria or the whole of planet Earth. However we frame it, it seems to me that it must mean mitigating climate change and it must mean restoring the landscape. So seeking shalom will mean rehabilitating the land, the very activity that will heal solastalgia and generate hope. It will also mean making personal choices about how we work and travel and shop and play and eat. Seeking shalom might also mean political activism and disruption, such as we see in the life and ministry of Jesus. Maybe guerrilla gardening or attending climate protests or lobbying banks which continue to fund fossil fuel projects. There may be times when seeking the long-term peace of our home might look, in fact, like disobedience and dissent, since our government, our economy and our typical ways of life are so ecologically destructive. And as we seek shalom, 
We do well to take the lead from those who have always known how to live here, the first peoples of this continent. And while the work will not return us to Eden or even to a pre-industrial climate, it will help mitigate climate change. An article in The Guardian this week describes us as being in a race between Armageddon and awesome. The author points out that we have everything we need to turn our world into a series of clean, green economies with enormous benefit to health and well-being for all people and for the land. We can seek shalom and we can counter solastalgia by choosing awesome by restoring and rehabilitating cities and landscapes, and by caring for God's good earth. And this, I believe, is a path that God hopes that we will choose. Because the people of Israel were told to settle in for the long haul and to engage in the good life. But they were also told to work and pray and struggle for the shalom of their new home to agitate for the changes that would lead to a healthy and flourishing place for generations to come. And why? Well, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. That's Jeremiah 29 verse 11. So let's not give ourselves over to Armageddon and despair. Instead, let's work and pray for that hope-filled future, promised by the one who calls life out of death, rivers out of deserts, and veggies out of urban wastelands. The one who works in even the most desolate of circumstances to redeem devastation. The one who always, always, always invites us into life. Amen. There's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you can find the details for this on the website. This week's reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequang people of the Eastern Ma Nation, a land taken by force and never ceded. This week, the creeks and waterways are alive with pobble bonks. The rivers are high and fresh water is pouring into the sea. Despite the grey skies, the air has a soft warmth and the season is changing. I pay my respects to elders past and present. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen.